For the last year, um, probably the last 18 months, a scripture that has been very um, foremost for me, something that, is, that has been sort of in my mind and my spirit um, during this season has been um, Isaiah 41.13. And it says, For I am the Lord your God, who takes hold of your right hand and says, Do not fear, I will help you. And somehow just in that last song, and that was going to be in the middle of my sermon, but um, in that last song, I think the importance for us in the whole birth of Jesus is not so much the baby in a manger, which is obviously an important story, but the importance for us is that he came for our sorrow, and he came for our struggles, and he came for our fear, he, you know, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And as we sit here today in this place, it's really hard for us to connect how great the darkness was in that time when he came, when there had not been any, at least, written word of the Lord for 400 years. Uh, and yet God was moving, even though moving behind the scenes, as often he is in our lives when things we may be struggling and we don't see what's going on, but God is always moving and he is always with us. When it's hard, when it's good, he is with us. The sad thing is that we recognize it far more when we're struggling than when we're doing well. When we're doing well, we're just kind of like, you know, yes and amen, everything's great. And when we're struggling, we realize he never let go of our hand. He's with us every step. We've just completed the season of Advent and uh, with the candles here and um, the whole reminder about the coming of Christ and how important that is. Uh, as we would sing the song, Come Thou Long Expectant Jesus, just realizing for a people that uh, in the time that he was born so needed a Savior, and yet we so need that today. Our world still so needs that today. Chiv did an amazing devotional a couple of weeks ago in staff that we remember his birth uh, as it's recorded in Luke and Matthew. But we also need to be reminded that he will return. And part of Advent is that he will come again. And so it's not just a story a long time ago when Doug started off one of the Christmas Eve services and talked about, you know, a long time ago, I thought he was going to launch into Star Wars, but um, gratefully not. But um, anyway, it's not just history. It's today. It's right now. And so we are in the season of Christmas tide. We're in the middle of the 12 days of Christmas, if you like that kind of stuff. Uh, that starts on Christmas Day and ends on January the 6th, which is Epiphany. It's when we celebrate that the wise men came and worshiped Jesus, showing that he was for all people, Gentile and Jew, uh, that he was for all people. Epiphany means uh, a manifestation of God's glory. So we celebrate that the wise men came and, and found Jesus. And as the little girl said down here a little while ago, um, we don't know that it was two years, but we know it was close to that. So Jesus was certainly a toddler. The story of Christmas is really amazing, the obedience of Mary and Joseph. I don't know how you guys are with obedience. Sometimes I struggle with that. You know, I'm, I'm guessing we all do from time to time. But the incredible obedience that they had was something completely unknown uh, the angels speaking in dreams and in person. Um, angels declaring to the shepherds 
about Jesus and started out with fear not. Fear not. And then go on to talk about the glory of God and, and what he came to do and all of that, how important it is. Um, he was born in Bethlehem. The entire Roman world had to move around for Jesus to be born in Bethlehem. One of the many things that is an indicator of how God was moving, even though they weren't seeing it in the 400-year time period, that total pagans declared a census, that all the world would be taxed, and everyone had to go to their home of origin, their city of origin, and so Joseph went to Bethlehem. So Jesus was born in Bethlehem, the city of bread, to be registered. The shepherds in the field around Bethlehem, when you are able to go to Israel, to me one of the most significant things you can see are the fields of Bethlehem because nobody's built a church over it. Uh, You go in these places and there's incense and all that kind of stuff and somehow it kind of doesn't scream authenticity, but the shepherds and the fields around Bethlehem and the Sea of Galilee for me were very significant places. So the shepherds were in the fields where Ruth gathered barley to be able to keep from starving. And where David, as a shepherd boy, watched his flock. The shepherds in in those fields um, were protecting the sheep near Bethlehem. Many scholars feel that the flocks that were kept near Bethlehem were for use in the sacrificial uh, system of the temple. That those were the sheep used, the lambs used for sacrifice. And so the shepherds were not just ordinary shepherds. They had to be trained and they had to know and they had to look for the sheep that would be perfect. And so it was a big deal. They were not your, I guess they went to shepherd school or something, I don't know. Uh, But they had to be a part of the Mosaic law. They were a part of the Mosaic system because they had to be able to pick out the lambs. And it is written in several accounts that that lambs, after they were born, if they were deemed perfect, they were swaddled with claws to certify that they were approved for sacrifice. And so they find baby Jesus, and he has been swaddled in claws. Certainly significant for them. The wise men followed the star and found Jesus in a house. Uh, They were warned in a dream not to go back and tell Herod. So he could come and worship because that was not his intent. And warned in a dream, also Joseph, in the night it says, he got up and took the baby and his mother and they left for Egypt. I'm guessing they didn't have night vision goggles, you know. I'm guessing they didn't have, I mean, think about it, in the night, uh, in the country, leaving for Egypt to protect Jesus And part of the story, as difficult as it is, part of the story is that crazy King Herod, Herod the Great, I think he named himself, um, didn't have any problem with ego. And he did build many things, and he rebuilt their temple, and there are things standing today that he built. But he was incredibly crazy and would just kill people if he didn't like them. And so he decided he would handle the thing of the problem with the king of the Jews. He'd just kill all the baby boys. And we don't know how many children that was. Um, Bethlehem is a small town on the road to Jerusalem. But Jesus, they left by night to protect him. And even if it was just one child, the shepherds who heard the declaration certainly would know the people that had that kind of tragedy and loss, that kind of sorrow, that kind of incredible unfairness for children that were innocent. 
And yet in all of this, in all of this, because of his birth, tragedy doesn't have the final say. Because of the birth of Jesus, fear does not have the final say or sorrow or whatever we may go through in our lifetimes. Because of his birth, we have hope. And because of the Christmas story, we come to Galatians 4, 4 through 7. In the fullness of time, God had a plan. And we don't always know what that is. And sometimes we may establish plans for our lives. And I don't know how that works for you. But sometimes for me, that doesn't work so great, you know. And we establish plans. But God had a plan Not only in when Alexander the Great conquered the entire world and made everyone speak Greek, and so there was the same language for everyone, but when the the next um, group of people, the Romans, came in to dominate the land, they built roads, uh, not for people to go visit their relatives, but they built roads so that their armies could march on them. And the Romans brought peace because if you created a problem at, at all, they would just kill you, and that took care of the problem, so, you know... Problem solved. So in all of that time of the silent years, God brought together in the fullness of time the perfect situation for the gospel to go forth in the fullness of time. And in this story, it talks about how he did it all because of relationship, wanting relationship with us, that we might be called children of God. Verse 6 in the NIV says, Because you are sons, or children, God sent the Spirit of His Son out, crying, who calls out, Abba, Father. In the Greek, when they're saying calls out, they're talking about almost an indescribable cry. And the same words are used when Jesus died on the cross, and He yelled. He didn't whimper. He yelled, It is finished. And so the Holy Spirit within us is saying, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but a son, but a child. And since you are a son or a child, God made you to be an heir, which means you have an inheritance. We have an inheritance. A lot of times people really struggle with this, and I I get it, I understand, um, that sometimes our own experience sometimes blocks us or we struggle with understanding God's love for us. We struggle with his intent for us. Um, But I think the cry of his heart is that we understand how much he loves us. And I can't tell you how many people in counseling across the years when I've sat with them, if, if they're really honest, get down to, I struggle with, God. does God really love me? Uh, yes, of course he loves you. You're you. But does he love me? And some of that is because of situations. Some of that is, is circumstances, difficult things that have happened. But the cry of the gospel is the love of the Father. Jesus dying on the cross and being raised again. The gift of the Holy Spirit that we would be empowered for this task. I would guess as parents, those of you that have children, your kids, you don't see your kids struggling to be children. (laughs) You know, they just kind of do it. Um, But sometimes we struggle to be children of God. And just like the declaration of the song, I am a child of God, that we establish and we determine and we confess what he has already done. I mean, we can choose to do other things. He gave us free will 
John Wesley was famous for saying that God's love is for us from our first breath until our last. He loves us. Unconditional love. Doesn't matter what you do, he loves you. Are there consequences to what you do? Yes. And can you absolutely turn away? Yes, you can. That's a choice. And some people make horrible choices on this earth. But the greatest love to me is not making us robots to where we have to. The greatest love is letting us choose. It's really pretty amazing. The creator of the universe lets us choose to say, yes, I will love you back. Probably the most important decision you will ever make in your life. And yet we have to realize that while there are so many good things and Christmas is such a fun time and a great time and and so exciting and it's fun to see the kids when the preschool kids, first place kids were here on the stage and, you know, singing right before Christmas and you think they're going to fall off the stage and, you know, I mean, teachers there to make sure they don't fall off the stage and, you know, they come in these beautiful dresses and then they're itchy and the little girls are just pulling at them and, you know, you can imagine, we won't go into further detail, but you're kind of just, you know, it's just amazing how it's just so fun. The kids are so excited and there is all of that and yet sometimes there is struggle at Christmas too and sometimes it highlights the pain or the difficulty couple of Christmas Eves ago, Chris, at, right at Christmas time, we got a call that uh, Carl Troyer was very sick. And in the ICU at Baylor Carrollton and really not expected to make it. And Doug and I got the call and um, we both went by at different times. And I remember standing there, sitting there in his room with more tubes than I'd ever seen, really. And I went to nursing school. I mean, ton of tubes and thinking this is the last time I'm going to see Carl. And yet Carl is here today. And, and God moved in that. And I think part of that was Carl w- was so determined to get back home and take care of his wife, which he did. But at that time for their family, it wasn't an easy time. When you're faced with doctors giving you information that you're not wanting to hear. A year ago, Russ Wise was in incredible pain and struggling in ICU. And he is here today. And we are grateful But Christmas doesn't always feel like Christmas when you're going through that kind of thing. And for the Van Sicklers right now, today, um, praying that the presence of God would be so strong in the room where he is. And that all fear would be gone. And that God would really redeem that situation. Sometimes difficult things happen. I need to tell you the story of a, of a little boy, a young man, who's uh, three and a half, I think. Stephen Downing, who was down here and uh, raised his hand about he got Thomas the Tank Engine for Christmas, and, and which is a real score when you're three and a half. Um, and he got Legos. Avery was saying he got Legos. And, St- you know, they all got Legos. And, of course, that meets your deepest need. I mean, Legos are awesome, right? So, so a couple of weeks ago, Stephen... Uh, got a splinter in his hand. They'd gone to the playground, and he got a splinter, and evidently it was a really bad one because they were having a hard time getting it out. And so his parents were working on the splinter, and, and he was sucking his you know, fingers with his hand, and they were working on the splinter, and they were having a really hard time. And anyone that's had to deal with a kid and a splinter, you know, and it not coming out easily, and the longer you work with it, the more agitated they get, 
And so at one point in the process, it still wasn't out, and Bonnie and Chris were working on it, and he pulls his fingers out of his mouth, and through gritted teeth, he says, doo-doo. And, and they just, and I would just confess to you from the, you know, First Methodist Church, sometimes stuff is going on, and that's about all you can say, you know? <laughs> and for Stephen, he made that proclamation. And that's probably how it felt, you know? I mean, so, because if somebody's digging around on you, maybe emotionally, you know, maybe mentally, I mean, they were trying to help him, but sometimes things happen. And I'm not trying to compare Russ Wise going through all the stuff he went through with a splinter. But I am trying to say, Scripture is clear about good things and bad things. And that's just life. And yes, we can have joy in the middle of it. And yes, we can trust God in the middle of it, that he is with us. The promise of Christmas is Emmanuel, God with us. So I just encourage you that what we have to look for is God's timing and God's plan. Even with bad news. I was talking with a woman not too long ago and she was talking and she had gotten a bad diagnosis from her doctor and she had already gone through some chemo and radiation and was going to have to go through more um, and actually is having surgery on Tuesday. And she said, "I'm, I'm so struggling with this and I'm afraid God's not happy with me because I'm struggling. And my first thought was, duh, but I, th- I think I refrained from saying that. But it's like, you ought to struggle. You're going through chemo. You, ha- you know, you've got cancer. You're going through chemo. It's no fun. And I, and I reminded her of this scripture in Isaiah 43. When you walk through, it's not if you do. When you walk through the fire, I will be with you. And when you walk through the rivers, you will not, they will not overwhelm you. The struggle is a part of life. As wonderful as things happen that are amazing, there are also things that are difficult. And that's just just the world we live in. You know, the excitement of Christmas and tornadoes ripping up half of Garland and, and other cities. God is still with us. I think it is critical to recognize that he is there. And I think it's also critical to recognize that not every bad thing that happens comes from him. One of the things I got in praying about this service was, is that we have to prepare spiritually as much as a soldier prepares in the army. Zach Statura was here just last week with his mom. He surprised her to be able to come home for Christmas, and he actually surprised her by knocking on the door, and she answered the door. And for those of you that know Norma, of course, she was subdued and just very calm about it. Uh, I mean, I think she screamed for about, you know, five minutes. They recorded it all, so it's available for viewing, I'm sure, if you would like to see it. But Zach has had to go through tremendous training to prepare in case he would be called up. We don't know that that will happen, but he had to be prepared. We have to prepare spiritually and, and just not pretend like we're not in a battle because we're in a battle. As we close the end of the year for 2015, the year of our Lord, he was with us through all of it. He is with us today, and he's with us tomorrow. And for all the things that have happened in that year, good things 
and not so good things or difficult things, unexpected things, God is with us. And I think the most critical thing we can do, and you'll be surprised by this, I hope I don't shock you, but I think the most critical thing we can do is pray. Of all the things we can do, and, and granted we're supposed to do stuff, but I think the most critical thing we can do is pray. Because see, is that, are you amazed or what? Uh, God was saying yes. Because see, we don't understand his timing. During the 400 silent years, they were kind of like going, uh, God, you know, it's another army that is, you know, ruling over us. Crazy King Herod is in charge. We don't always get God's timing. And we don't always get his plan. But what is critical for us is to be in that process. What is critical for us is to be a part of his plan and his timing. And that takes prayer and seeking him. We don't know what 2016 is going to hold. Please don't read the magazines in the grocery store, you know, that says JFK will appear again or whatever. I mean, you know, it amazes me. They Anyway, I'll just shut up. As you prepare for the new year, may these days be so much more than a party. I mean, it's kind of like, how shallow can we be? And it's cool if you're going to, I don't care, you know? But it's like, in the Jewish culture, they prepare for about a month before their new year. And they do it in fasting and in prayer and in repentance. Asking God to show them if there's anything that they need to lay down. They take it very seriously. And they call that time from their new year to the day of atonement, the days of awe. And we know about the atonement. We know about what Jesus has done. We know about all of that. John Wesley, at the beginning of a covenant service that he would go around to different places in England. They, they would try to do it on New Year's Eve, but he had to travel. And one of the beginning phrases of it is, I am no longer my own, but thine. So as we look at 2016, can we, can we think about that? How do we acknowledge his love for us? The incredible love of the Father that we are no longer slaves, but we are children. So do we receive it? Do we act like it? People make choices. God gives us free will. Some choices are evil. But because Jesus came... Because of the cross, because of the resurrection, this is not our home. And yet while we are here, may we be faithful as a congregation of First United Methodist Church Carrollton. May we be faithful. There are years of faithfulness behind us. I mean, how God has moved in this church, the things he has done. And we look forward to amazing things in the future and, and what he will do again. A lot of times, I think we think of huge things. You know, I've got to do something big. And yet, sometimes it's the daily faithfulness 
the daily faithfulness of what he's called you to do and where he's called you to be and, and to be his hands and feet, to see things with his eyes. I've had people tell me that, and sometimes I'm kind of like, I don't really want to, you know, I'm kind of like, okay, don't really want to see things with his eyes because that means I have to change my heart. You know, that means I need to repent on something. The incredible love of God that he calls us children, that he gives us the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who cries out an indescribable cry, Abba, Father. So he is the one, he is the Lord our God, who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. I do not know what your year has been like. I do not know, none of us know what the future holds. Except we know that God is faithful every step of the way. Whether this has been an easy time for you or a difficult time for you, I just encourage you to know that he calls us children. We declare in the song, I am a child of God. And that is really, really how he sees us. So it is my prayer for all of us that we can receive that and realize that as we go into a new year with things that we don't totally know, he knows. And our job is to hold his hand. So as we come to a time at the, at the close of the service, um, I would just like to encourage you, if you would like to make a declaration of your faith, if you would like to say that you're accepting Jesus as your Savior, we would love to pray with you here. If you would like to join the church, that would be great. If you'd like to just come and pray, just like that's minor, you know, come and do that. But I encourage us all that we look to him, we look to his timing, we look to his peace. The miracle of Christmas is far more than, you know, whatever gift you got that, of course, met your deepest need. The miracle of Christmas is that he cares for us and that sorrow and fear don't have the final word. The final word is what he did on the cross and resurrection from the dead. The amazing miracle of it all. And Nick is right. So what do we do with that? How do we respond? That's our challenge today. And that's our blessing today. To know his name. Amen.